Hello and welcome to Media Literate, a collaborative podcast where we face our fears about the forward march of technology. That'll become um. relevant later, hopefully. Or maybe <laughs> you can just assume that it's just always about my ongoing paranoia about the like artificial intelligence and the singularity. Um, I'm Laura Broman. And I'm Kim Henry, just learning new things about my roommate and her technology anxiety. It's really <laughs> exciting. It'll come up later, probably. <laughs> uh, so today we're going to be talking with our friend and classmate, Ziwei Chen, about the particular quality of film, as in like actual physical photographic film versus digital film, digital, digital film and that oxymoron. Is there a difference? Does it matter? Uh, and we'll to whom? Find out. And to whom? Yeah. Um, but first, okay, so we have some housekeeping to take care of. First of all, we always say this at the end of the episode, but we should have been saying it at the beginning. Uh, if you liked this show, if you like listening to, to us, uh, please go on over to Apple Podcasts and uh, leave a rating and a review, preferably a positive one, but, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, leave a bad review if it sure, really makes yeah. you feel better. I'm pretty sure it just helps the algorithm yeah, no matter yeah. what. Yeah, yeah, anything for the algorithm. So that's, <laughs> that's um, we would appreciate it, but also just, you know, do what makes you happy. Um, second. No, don't do what makes them happy. Do Laura. what makes us happy. No, sorry, do, sorry. Do what makes us happy. Leave the reviews, you guys. <laughs> um, all right. Second, if you're like my mother and you prefer to listen to your podcasts on Stitcher, we are now on Stitcher. So, Ooh. hey, there you go. Um, oh, and speaking of my mom. So last episode, we I shared an anecdote about little itty itty bitty baby boy Thomas Jefferson um, <laughs> and his insecurity about being called small by a Frenchman. Uh, relatable. Uh, and my mom was the one who told me that. But when I, I mentioned that on the podcast, but my microphone kind of cut out when I said that my mom had told me. And when she was listening to it, she was like, you didn't mention me at all. Is, are you embarrassed that I was telling you that? Oh my god! I gosh. just want to be clear that I <laughs> have no embarrassments about my mom telling me cool historical anecdotes. Wait, so, your mom listens to the podcast? She does. That's mom, so nice. Yeah. Well, she I, especially will now because it's on Stitcher. So I actually uh, subscribed to the podcast on my mom's phone or I walked her through the process <laughs> because she was like, I don't understand how to do that. And I was like, okay, you got to open the app. And she's like, I don't have the podcasts app. And I was like, you, you do. <laughs> it's built in. It's purple. Mm -hmm. I like walked her through mm -hmm. the whole process and then several months later she was like Kim I just don't I don't know where to find your podcast and I did it again look again the forward march of technological progress is deeply a terrifying. difficult thing so uh, and again we'll come back to that but um so those are all of the announcements you know Apple podcast review Stitcher my mom uh and now we have announcements my mom <laughs> She's a great lady. Um, and now we have to move on to our very, very important um, segment, everyone's favorite. I am so excited, Kim, to hear about our latest installment of Cannon Fodder. Are our air horns getting better? They couldn't possibly be getting worse. <laughs> Okay. Well, I um I have achieved the impossible, Laura. What? I set out with the intention 
of watching the 400 blows uh-huh. and I did not leave HBO Max, <laughs> the worst streaming platform. I did not even open YouTube on my phone, not once during the whole process. I have watched the ultimate film canon film, what? Um, which is obviously incredibly debatable, but I think <laughs> it is the ultimate in that it's the one that both of us were procrastinating mm-hmm. the most. Um, Ugh, that and the godfather part two apparently it's better whatever we'll get there um, hey, the film title again. i said it i watched the 400 blows did you say it oh sorry. i did i was I like hear, i watched the I 400, I blows 400 blows without and i immediately just you like, blacked it out from my memory <laughs> yeah i watched 400 blows it mm-hmm. happened um i laura i liked it wow i liked it a lot wow it was really great um just so you understand Laura's commitment to wa- to not watching the 400 blows. Um, we're roommates now. We just mm-hmm. moved in together. And mm-hmm. yeah, um, hard to feign surprise about one movie, but I, I, I just trying to keep up the charade. <laughs> I watched it in our living room and Laura didn't watch it with us. <laughs> she was like puttering <laughs> around doing dishes, but she had her headphones in just like it, it was not going to penetrate. I have- made it through two classes that were where that was required viewing and I have managed to not watch it in either of those classes okay so here's the thing is I completely understand why you would not want to watch it because Mm -hmm. even knowing literally nothing about this film I saw the 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 like poster which is Mm -hmm. just like a sad little French boy staring through prison bars and it was like oh seems like a bummer can't wait (laughs) and then also the French new wave is so very um it's just a lot it's like it's all about like it's not just for men it's not just for dudes but it is for like this particular type like when I was in high school I was a hard ass and I wasn't very fun to be around (laughs) um so there were like cool kids who were like let's be rebels and like let's let's like live a life of freedom and I was like freedom what about investing in the institution hey (laughs) um so this movie is very much this like oh god i'm i have no understanding of the french new wave i i learned about it in a really incredible class but i'm invoking my constitutional right uh to blame the pandemic for not Mm. remembering any of that information anyways it's great it um i totally get why you wouldn't want to watch it it Mm. is very much that like french new wave like at the time avant-garde cinema that was just like we're gonna this kid he's running or like this Mm -hmm. nothing's happening we're watching this person's life unfold Mm -hmm. isn't it interesting and it's like a little bit Mm -hmm. um and then it's also very much about this like particular european boyhood type Mm -hmm. experience that as i said not very fun as a youth Mm -hmm. so like i i didn't really relate to it and there were a whole bunch of like problems that were happening in his life that my um colonized mind was just like I mean if you just followed the rules like I don't understand it seems like he's really making a lot of these issues for himself but in in my uh maturing process becoming a a semi-adult type person Mm -hmm. I have been like trying to gain an appreciation for like the the sort of magic of boyhood Mm. um and representations of like liberated boyhood in cinema so like I at least can appreciate what they're going for and there are a lot of there are a bunch of like moments that visually really communicate that the music is also very like plucky and Mm. and like 
a little bit forlorn because his is like, ah, oh, my parents don't like me very much. They're not abusive, but they're just like kind of a bummer to they just like <laughs> yeah. oh, they don't get me. Um relatable, you know. Yeah, right. In many, I mean, hey, look, your mom listens to the podcast. It's don't, true. I, I, that's right. I didn't mean relatable to me. My childhood is too many people, yes. But the um the last shot of the film, which I'm pretty sure is like very, very famous. Uh was it did actually speak to me on some level like he he finally sees the coast after never having seen the ocean and it's like it's very impressive it sort of captures that like we're out of the studio we're just like filming stuff on the street and we're gonna like Mm. it's about kids and their lives and there's not like a melodramatic romance plot it's not about marriage like it's just we're we're doing the thing it captured that like kind of frenetic energy Mm -hmm. of the french new wave very well so i would say you could watch this movie listeners for your own enjoyment it is a bit slow you have to like really I had to make an effort to be like okay remember uh the experience of young boys is different from your childhood experience and this matters and I'm sure this is communicating something very important like you have to invest in it but it you could watch it for your own enjoyment and then beyond that it's very indicative of the French new wave if you are looking Mm -hmm. to understand that period of film more closely have I been talking about this for a thousand years I really got into it I don't know that's I mean that's a good sign so it's like there's a little bit of there's like some entertainment and there's some some education there's some edutainment it's 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 like the the top of our vision board yeah (laughs) this is the vision board for media literate we're like we want to edutain the masses (laughs) um and so did Francois Truffaut apparently who has always given me huge Tarantino vibes, but you know I what? I don't actually know what you mean. Having seen the movie, I don't know what I you're talking about. I think it's his physical appearance. Uh, oh, is he just like, else. does he look like a creep? I just have this headcanon that they would have been best friends if they were like contemporaries. And that really annoys me, even though, again, it's like a headcanon thing. So I can't really get mad at either of them for it. Uh, well, listeners, but... I hope that you have enjoyed this uh, podcast's commitment to its disdain for Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. I think one thing about Tarantino is his commitment to the uh, the long, the many t- classical traditions of film, oh, you know, oh, really, the aesthetic and even technological um, roots. Of, mm-hmm. of cinema film making film making cinema made on film yes uh, he's carrying it into a new uh, era in cinema indeed could say uh one in that could be described as the virtual whoa listeners this has been a very classy and intellectual segue much classier and more intellectual than quentin tarantino for sure wow yes and there's your daily Quentin Tarantino bird. Ah, oh, hey, it. <laughs> suck it, Q. <laughs> and we are back. Um, we are here now with our friend Ziway, who is going to talk with us about the future and past of cinema and cinematic technology and the cinematic experience, probably. 
I don't really know. There's yeah. See, we're not actually very well learned in in your department. In this, um, so would you be like really to, exciting? <laughs> would you like to tell us a bit about uh, yourself and uh, what you're interested in studying and that sort of thing? I'm very excited to be here. Um, first of all, I'm, so I'm Ziwei, Ziwei Chen, and um, I'm second year MA in Cinema Media Studies at U USC, along with Laura and Kim. And yeah, um, so my research focus is kind of on um, contemporary Chinese media and in relation to um, the concept of media archaeology, for, for instance, and how it, for example, contemporary screen culture is related to the, to the past um, cinematic or pre-cinematic devices. So I'm interested in that history of media recently. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. that is so cool. I wasn't, I wasn't actually just being self-deprecating when I was like, we don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like, there's, there's so many facets to media studies that I think uh, our listeners may slowly start to realize as we just keep bringing on people. Like last time we had Bree talk about gaming, and now we're going to mm -hmm. talk about this uh, much mm -hmm. more specific, like, grounded in the physical like way that film is produced conversation whereas I don't know about you Laura but I'm coming from like a much more like semiotic general ideas place <laughs> like this feels somehow fundamentally different than how I watch movies so I'm so excited to talk to you and I just wanted to like drive that home for listeners we've got some cool stuff happening today <laughs> yeah so one one of these cool stuff is <laughs> Z-Way, help explain to us what this cool stuff is because we we well, did I mean... spend like a long time we had a couple different prep meetings for this because laura like we read your blurb in the spreadsheet and we were like okay <laughs> and then we had our meeting with you and we were like uh okay i swear I, I, we I, know I, some things too I, we um, do we do we yeah. know a lot of things i just don't know how a zoetrope relates to why we should continue to bash Quentin Tarantino on this podcast. But we should. <laughs> you can explain should. that, right? Use the zoetrope to answer our questions, anyway. Yeah, I also came from um, a film studies, like more proper film studies background with interest in like modernist cinema and stuff like oh. that. Uh, oh, okay. So Z-Way like said what we do and... and stuff. Oh um, my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I just feel like um, it's it's somehow interesting to like keep expanding our field or expanding our um, idea toward um, to the the idea of media and how because when we think about media typically it is more associated with digital media like virtual reality right. or mm -hmm. like digital gaming mm -hmm. YouTube, and is that on the list? New, YouTube absolutely yes <laughs> as a really? as a fandom and thing like we talked about Henry Jenkins and stuff but yeah mm -hmm. um when we think about media it's always about the digital but um but me media as a kind of um concept it is also deeply historical in a sense that, and that's mm -hmm. why I kind of brought up media mm -hmm. archaeology at first because like when I was writing a kind of a term paper for last semester I was connecting uh, the contemporary metro screen, digital screen to like pre-cinematic devices like zoetrope, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, a really fun thing um, to play with. But well, um, we so yeah, include media. some links in the description so you yeah. know what we're talking about. <laughs> what is a zoetrope? It's it's the thing from Tarzan. Remember the the Phil Collins montage? 
in the Disney film Tarzan, you guys? Anybody? Okay. Well, you no, know what? I know what his listeners is. <laughs> are shouting at their Apple devices right now, being like, "Yes, I want to know. Can you show me? I want to know about the strangers like me." Oh yeah. Charlotte, please okay. use this as transition like, music. Thank the you. Lord. Um. So back on topic, I think <laughs> one thing that's a central question in what we're trying to talk about today is. Um, something that actually sort of briefly came up in our last episode, which is the idea of like, like in terminology, film versus movies. And I was saying that as kind of like, like film is something that has quality and a movie is, you know, it's more like trash and it's just entertainment, but popcorn, et cetera. But Kim pointed out that there's also a sort of more like technological difference Mm -hmm. inherent in the word film, which is of course that it refers to a specific like technology that you use to create moving images. Like a strip of film. Right, whereas a movie, is a movie specifically a digital moving image or is it like just Mm. anything cinematic, any any moving picture? I think it counts as everything because they were like talkies and then they were like, that sounds weird. (laughs) So so here's the thing, do you, do either of you think that this matters? I mean, how much does the technology we use to convey the medium of cinema matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should I mean, go I first never, I never <laughs> think realize. about that, like until I read the, the book, because mm-hmm. I always just like, because I mean, when we get started with film studies, speaking like like contemporary times, we, we, mm-hmm. we don't really watch film anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're, for example, with the, the excellent, I wouldn't say excellent, but like pretty decent quality of Criterion channel. Like collection mm-hmm. and whatever you have you have oh! a decent, okay like, okay criterion preservation. Shake, continue. <laughs> i would say like you have a pretty decent like preservation of like film into mm-hmm. digital so i don't really notice that kind of difference and mm-hmm. also with that like even dvd and like blu-ray disc itself is becoming kind of outdated no, mm-hmm. not to mention film so i think that like materiality is kind of disappearing with mm-hmm. also with the streaming platform. I know we you talked about like with with Brian a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely like a there's there's the viewing side, which is like, are you watching it on like on film or are you watching it on like streaming or DVD or whatever? There's also the production side. Are you filming it one way or the other? Because I I always think of La La Land, a movie I hate, which like viscerally triggers like anger in me don't do that okay <laughs> but one of the things people were like rapturous about was like it was shot on film though that isn't that incredible and my reaction was like lots of great movies are shot on digital shut the fuck up but, <laughs> so i didn't like I, I think that there is a visual quality to stuff that's shot on film but i don't know how much that really genuinely affects my how much i think about that you know, I agree. I think one of the weird elements of this conversation is that regardless, like right now today, sort of like what Zia was saying is that we are not watching things on film, even mm-hmm. if something is shot on film. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if it was just one theater company or if it was a massive studio, but ba- basically a while ago, the studios were like, we're not sending out our exposition the movies basically we're not sending them out on film we will send you a digital file Mm -hmm. and you can play it and project it that way Mm -hmm. so for 
several years now, we haven't been watching film projections even in movie theaters, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't really know how, how different it feels. I think Sylvie's love, that Amazon movie that came out that I actually didn't get all the way through because despite my love for Tessa Thompson, it just was not, I was not sharing Sylvie's love in that moment. Hey. Um, <laughs> uh, but I was watching it and thinking like, that was, this looks like I could touch it in a way that I, that mm. digital images or HD doesn't sort of function. Mm. Um, and I still don't even know if that was shot on film because at this point you can also just like after the fact in a digital like editing process just make it look mm -hmm. that kind of grainy and make it seem like it was shot on film but once again to shit on Quentin Tarantino he shot The Hateful Eight on some form of film and it did not stop me from hitting pause in the middle <laughs> and watching Planet Earth 2. You know, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just such an interesting point because um, I think in the <clears throat> in the Rodwick's book, he also talked about the, the paradox of digital cinema, which lies in the fact that it's it's like completely digital, right? But it mm -hmm. relies on the the analog medium, which is the film, mm -hmm. to like kind of um, to look itself as real or to to mm -hmm. um, become as seamless as possible. For example, like the post production that you just talked about, like adding some grainy stuff on on the post-production to make it look, really look film-like mm -hmm. so I think that that is such an interesting paradox of, yeah. of digital cinema so you've mentioned books a couple times and I don't know if we've talked about the books that we are talking about today yet would you mind going into those really quick just like oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah uh, we, we haven't talked about the names of the books so the first one so like we we are kind of grounding ourselves on these two books but also going much beyond than that mm -hmm. um because because not everyone has read the book um so <laughs> like, two like including yeah wow okay <laughs> no no i mean like throw the, us under the, the bus audience. yeah well <laughs> to, to us too <laughs> laura yeah, read but, book um, reviews and i'm here for the quiz mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah um so the first one is um D.N. Rodowicz, The Virtual Life of Film, um, who is now teaching at University of Chicago, I believe. And he's um, hey. calls himself a film theorist and has a lot of a turbulent relationship with taxi drivers. <laughs> and <laughs> You have to explain this joke after the fact, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and, the, and then the second book is Anne Freeberg's um, The Virtual Window, who um, actually once talked taught at um, our school, the University of Southern California, oh, yeah. but um, unfortunately passed away. But yeah, she's a great scholar. Yeah, um, I was started reading uh, Radowick's book and there is a line very early on, too early on, like in the introduction, this isn't what you want to open with, where he was like, as a film theorist, um, I frequently, my description of my job is to the confusion of my family members and many taxi drivers the world over. And I sent Z-Way a message saying like, this book is insufferable uh, because that's just <laughs> not a great opener. Maybe for like- I truly heard her groan from the kitchen. <laughs> I was doing dishes and I thought like, have you injured yourself? <laughs> Has another celebrity died? What's going on? Yeah. Oh no, we just have to read insufferable yeah. men's writing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, one argument that he makes 
um, is that photographically recorded film is meaningfully different from digitally from a digital digital film digital movie um, mm -hmm. digital moving image and um I don't know I'm curious to hear what you think of that Z-Way do you think it's meaningfully different in its you know in the quality of filmmaking in in viewing it or and of course the other thing you talked about is the way that it's disappearing as it's being replaced by digital does that disappearance matter on some level like what do you mm -hmm. think yeah that's really interesting to think about because um so i think for i'm, I'm not speaking on my behalf but like speaking in terms of broadwick right, what is um about? so like so he's thinking that so he has a specific like um love for for film for sure and that and what he's essentially arguing and borrowing terms from like Roland Bard as well as Stanley Cavell hey. is, is that the film like is basically a way of confronting like our existence and conf confronting the conundrums of our being. And that's what he's like essentially arguing. Like film is, so that's like going to the, the ontology of the film, like when you are watching a film or you are presenting an, an image, a photographic image, you have something that is spatially present and spatially in front of you, but then mm -hmm. you also know, paradoxically knows that the photographic image that you see is something from the past. So like there's an essential argument, essential paradox that is going on with a film ontology is that there is a, a, a paradox between the spatial here now and the, the temporal there then or whatever. So I'm terrifying Z-Way right now. I made a really intense face because I got very excited to take a book from off screen and hold it up to my Zoom camera. Uh, it is- That's what is, all our professors do. They're so cute, whatever they, they're like, you guys, look. It's like, yeah, I, you can quote someone without showing me the evidence. I believe you, um, but I am very excited to be showing the Zoom camera, uh, my copy of Roland Barthes' book, camera lucida because you actually got Z-Way um, a lot of his argument for like the ontological by the way listeners ontological basically means like in its essence like what is the essential quality of something um, mm -hmm. so for him the ontological uh, definition of photography has a lot to do with that exact idea of the light like a physical process that happens when light reflects off of like a human body or whatever you're taking a picture of and then hits the film in the camera um and like makes an impact like makes a stain a scar on the film and so I actually I have quotes <laughs> I'm never the one with quotes you guys but I have them <laughs> and I'm really excited about it <laughs> um but on the one hand also like Bart is such a drama queen. This is not a book about photography. This is him grieving his his mother's it's recent mother. passing. And it's just like, it's so beautiful. He sounds like such an asshole for the first like 20 pages. Cause he's like, yeah, I'm not a photographer, uh, but I'm gonna talk about what photography means to me. And since I don't know everybody's whole deal I'm going to base my study of the essence of photography off of my experience with photography. And it's like, indeed, yes, a white man has written this, we understand, thank you. Um, and also he hates cinema, right? Yeah, 
he was asked yeah, to write this about sense. film and he was and he says this he's like well they wanted me to write it about film but i think that's dumb <laughs> also a lot of the people we read for these classes are not in the not <laughs> so he talks about like the the essential quality of photography photography being that which has been because the the photograph the film photograph presents active like evidence in the form of like light particles reflecting off someone that was there and then hitting that film which also was there in one particular space in one particular time um but then he goes on because as i said he is not actually just defining photography he's defining photography in the wake of his mother's passing he talks about this um that which has been quality of the photograph suggesting that it is already dead and it's just like oh you're so sad but also i get it man mm -hmm. <laughs> so this this like emotional weight to photography um this sense of reality in a way that you cannot deny that that which is captured on photograph once was mm. and so that is sort of the the like very poetic, emotional, probably detached from any sense of reality that most moviegoers engage with on the day-to-day. -day. But that's the sort of like intensity that Roderick is coming from. And the what I imagine a lot of the people who are like, the digital is destroying cinema are coming from. I, okay, so I would like to now bring in another theorist who's like one of my favorite guys, who's Walter Ooh. Benjamin, who... <laughs> Because so he wrote a paper, I think in 1930, the 1930s called The Work of Art in the, Ma in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction, which is about how other forms, and he's from the Frankfurt School, and they fucking hated movies. They hated them. <laughs> they were like, this is a, the new opiate of the masses. Hated them, hated them, hated them. So I love how many of them we read. I know, <laughs> like I said. Um, but so he's a, like, other forms of art are like created by an artist that you know, in, there's a there's a specific uniqueness based in like place space time and and the um, just the unique quality of that specific work. Uh, he called it the aura. Um, and when you have a something that is uh, mass produced, it doesn't have that same quality because you know, like when Leonardo da Vinci painted Mona Lisa, like all of his students try to do like a copy of it, and you can't you can't recreate it 100% completely, but mass produced stuff, there's, you cannot tell like mass produced object number 314 from mass produced object number 315. And the thing about film and like film and photography is like with the 400 blows, Francois Truffaut, like though, that was the film that you would watch uh, used to watch, like project and watch 400 blows was mass produced. Like you're, Francois Truffaut was not sitting in his little studio, like individually re reproducing himself every single work there, mm -hmm. you know, because that would 400 blow, you know, it would really, uh, uh, anyway, so the, my point is like, I don't see that there is a huge a strong connection between like a, a copy of the 400 blows that is, you know, shipped to America to, to watch in some like art house mm -hmm. between like 
the yeah the 400th copy of the 400 blows and the like specific moment where he was capturing those images um just because it has been if it's I don't know I just feel like there is that separation that isn't really mentioned mm -hmm. because it is just this thing that can be produced over and over again mm. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense I, mean, I think it, it is does... important also to recognize, like, in case anyone who is smarter than us listens to this, just so they don't think we're dummies, um, Barth <laughs> is saying, like, he does think of film as a lesser form, in part because that, um, I don't think it's because of the reproduction of it, the, the ease of reproduction, but definitely he does not think that, like, what has once been, like, that which is or was quality exists for film because there's this passing that is constantly occurring um whereas photography captures a still image um but also you could say that's he's overthinking it a lot so there's there's both there what were you gonna yeah, say i'm Z also wondering because i'm i mean yeah, I think Lotto just brought up um, Walter Benjamin and his essay, The Work of Art. Um, but yeah, I mean, does does film really have a medium specificity? Because um, I mean, Roderick is talking a lot about that um, spatial or the, the paradox of being um, that lies in the medium of the film. Mm -hmm. But the medium specificity, medium specificity of the film itself is difficult to pin down from the outset, I would say, right? Um, because like, um, Walter ben Benjamin has written so much about the reproducibility of film and then film as a mass product that is completely different from like painting mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. books because for painting and writing for example the medium itself is very obvious like for for painting it's the canvas for for writing it is the, the pen or the, the the paper right but um, mm -hmm. for for film it's like kind of different so I think like when we are thinking about, for example, the medium specificity or what is the status of cinema, digital cinema right now, we have, must also relate it back to the, the film's initial status and the film's ontological, um, I, don't, I don't know, like ontological difference or um, difficulty, I guess. Yeah. By the way, I, I feel the need to reference, to mention like the elitism inherent to like many of the mm -hmm. arguments that we're discussing. I mean, like, you know, arguing that like film is a lower medium while like uh, <laughs> paintings are better. It's like, mm -hmm. well, I get that you're a Marxist, Walter Benjamin, but it's a lot easier <laughs> to go see a movie than to like buy a multi, like a, many, a very expensive painting and hang that in your, in your living room. So like, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, maybe all these people can, can fuck off just a little bit, but. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Anytime I say the word ontological, a part of my brain tells me that I could fuck off a little bit. Um, but it's also really fun, too. It's not a good mouthfeel. <laughs> but I think what you're getting at, Z-Way, is sort of taking us a little bit toward our, our next question about the difference between film and the digital, um, which, <laughs> segue, sorry, I almost, I almost left it. I almost didn't Put a put a lantern on it, but I did. Um, the question of if moving pictures, if if a film is so different from photography for these for these thinkers, right? And then when we start talking about photography, there's another 
thinker before them that's like, oh, but this is nothing compared to mm-hmm. the the painting. There's this like yeah. continuous conversation of like this technological development is somehow like degrading to some degree the artistry of whatever came before it, right? Um, so have we just, is this just a question as old as time or is it something that is specific to our moment? And also what is Rodowick's specific issue with it? Like what is his specific issue with digital? Cause I don't think we've talked about that. He, def- he definitely doesn't like it. It doesn't have the like groundedness of film that Bart really felt while he was like pining over this one picture of his mother that I desperately want to find despite the fact that he says theoretically it doesn't matter, but it matters to me. Um, yeah, what's his deal? Why doesn't he like it? I think he's trying to stay like as objective as possible, even though he's- He's not, preference. it's not working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even though he, it's not working at all. Um, so I think what he's arguing is that, so like, remember Roland Barthes also has this studium and punctum like punctum being the specificity, you know, for that like too. for example, like the, the graining of the, do, do you wanna just briefly mention that? Uh, do you, I can do some ASMR with like, can you guys hear my book pages flipping? I'm just really <laughs> excited about it. Um, he does talk about the difference between studium and punctum or the question of it. His reason for writing the book is he says, I wanted to approach it not as a question or in parentheses, a theme, but as a wound, which is exactly how I feel Thank about God. all of this shit. And he's so dramatic and I love him so much. And this is the only reason why I want to talk about films. I don't give a shit about questions. Watching the 400 blows, I- This is the I most said, Kim theorist that I've like, ever encountered. I almost said I have been 400 blown. <laughs> Away by Roland Bart's argument. <laughs> Anyways, continue, Z-Way. You were going to make a great pun, but you 400 blew it. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, doing so well. Oh, God. Why didn't we watch this movie earlier? Okay, so you were talking about studium and punctum. Yeah, um, so what, what kind of Roderick is trying to argue about, like, if there's something good about digital cinema at all, like, um, he thinks digital cinema is more like studium than punctum. So, like, um, so studium being that this cultural and rooted in the social relationship in the cultural context. So I think digital cinema has this capacity, for example, in its mass dissemination, going to the in- internet and then like like posting on YouTube and stuff and relating to the, to the fandom issue. And so that's why he thinks digital cinema and for example, everything digital related has that um, studium quality, which is like being cultural, being social. Mm-hmm. Then film, films like kind of isolation, films, um, paradox of being or whatever. So I think it's that's the ability like to sort what... of like reach out and cut you. Yeah. As as Bart Oh, say. yeah. I think one another thing I saw him mention was the idea of like, um, as a yeah, film being the of the the moment when it was made, but the digital media being of the here and now it is I mean he talked about social media like you are a photo is like shared um for the benefit of of the moment and not as much for like being in the past when it was taken right I was like I think I think I get it 
Yes. Okay, boomer. Whatever. But also it had a huge okay. But okay, you know what? I took, recently took a trip down memory lane on my old Tumblr and it was terrible. I don't recommend ever doing that. But like, I had a lot of rants about things that I felt very strongly about at the time, which looking back just feel very um, either trivial or wrong or like maybe almost there. But like, you know, so I'm, I want to try a bit of a new thing on this podcast where I moderate my strong opinions so that like me <laughs> 15 years from now doesn't realize don't be like, dude. So except for about Quentin Tarantino being bad, because I will hold fast to that. Um, You're changing like the ontological definition of this podcast. Well, I just it's wanted no to say it's about the here again. and now. It's about the there and then. Yeah. Are, are we, is this? We, we understand it, right? Z-Way, this is all, this is all correct. Are yeah. we even saying ontological, right? <laughs> <laughs> Give us our degrees, JD. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> say, say ontological for like 10 times and JD would give you the degree. <laughs> But you have it's to like do it in system. the bathroom, into the mirror with the lights out, and yeah. it's like a tear. <laughs> he gives you de- your degree, but he also murders you. It's like, oh, jeez. Ah, Is it worth it? Who's to say? At least you don't have to try and find a job with a master's in cinema and media studies. Ayo, let's move on before that gets dark and sad. Um, okay. Well, let's talk about the, the whole curmudgeonly okay boomer vibe of this. Mm-hmm being generally like the thing that makes me want to go like whatever is something that Laura's mom has brought up a lot I would say (laughs) about like the the like historical arc and stuff I just remember you quoting her once saying like don't try and narrativize history (laughs) yeah yeah both my parents Um, are historians and so anytime I say anything like here's a new thing and they're like is it really new though, or is there a long historical precedent? And usually there's a long historical precedent, which makes- So maybe Roderick should have talked to Laura's mom before writing this book because mm-hmm. other people, including Anne Friedman, right, Z-Way? <laughs> also yeah, think um... that there's a long historical yeah. precedent. It's late. We're recording this at night. Just so you know, you guys. Continue. I mean, she, she talks about like the-, the her, her book is titled The Virtual Window, and she talks about um, obviously coming from a cinema studies and cinema media studies background. Um, she is referring to, to cinema all the time, but what essentially she's arguing is that the concept of the virtual is not really about digital, but instead rooted in a series of like long historical, art historical um, thoughts, for example, like um, window um, in, in, in the 14,000s. 1400s mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then the camera obscura in the like I don't know when when, when that is like 17th or 18th mm-hmm. century mm-hmm. and then like later to like um, cinema projection and then photography so I think that <clears throat> so that virtual actually has a very long history of thought and also completely distinct from the um, idea of digital and that's so if there's mm-hmm. one thing that it really separates um, Freeberg from Roderick is the idea of the um, virtual as purely digital. Mm. So I think um, I, I have something from both of them. Like for Roderick, he, he also thinks that there's not, not no such thing as new media, but he thinks them from like the history of, of screen practices and computational process 
before um, Freebrick, she's not like so much interested in digital technology, even mm-hmm. though she's a di- digital technology person, mm-hmm. and instead traces this route of digital to like the to the the, the art historical mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. Right. So basically, for Friedberg, it's like the act of looking through a frame of some kind, be it uh, a, like a painting or a cinematic, uh, like a, a yeah, a cinematic frame or or even uh, a, window a window into the outside to reproduce right. it as right. a painting is mm-hmm. is what you were looking from your world into a different world, uh, essentially, mm-hmm. is what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, she kind of opens her book with like a metaphor or um, a reference to Alberti's window, which is like 1475 or something. And then she, she talks about like window, not as um, as a window, but like as a framing device for, for painting. And then essentially like what you are seeing from the window is a kind of framing or uh, there is a kind of a virtuality going on um, when you look through the window as a kind of framing device. And then, for example, when he's talking about like camera obscura, and that's essentially like translating 3D, like when you see the actual world that's moving out there onto a, for example, like a wall. And Mm -hmm. that's like um, a translation process of 3D into two dimensional going on there. So I, I, so there's what she's arguing is that there's also a kind of virtuality in that, like, for example, camera obscura. Mm -hmm. And that's the virtuality that's often being ignored, right? Yeah. So basically, it sounds like Roderick's response to the move from film to digital as like this sort of like fundamental shift that is important on on a larger scale. It sounds like that comes from his understanding of filmmaking as a technological process that like Mm -hmm. records data and that Friedberg, not Friedman, Friedberg is... (laughs) thinking about film as a visual process that more involves the the spectator and the content that's being shown. And as an English major, Ooh. I would like to get in the ring and talk about filmmaking also as like a narrative process because mm-hmm. no one seems to give a shit that <laughs> like, like if you were an English major, I'm not gonna say don't go to film school because it's deeply rewarding on multiple levels, but everyone's like, oh, look at it, look at it, look at it. It's like, you know, people like stories too. <laughs> no one's ever considering the narrative theory at this, I mean, when I say no one is, I mean, I haven't read their books and I'm not like, <laughs> and I'm not going to, <laughs> and I won't. But anyways, like, it seems like the way that you consider like your ontological definition of cinema, whether that is as a visual interaction between spectator and some sort of like projected content or as a translation of data from like the outside world onto a record being film or a digital record that will change your perspective of this new technological shift we're making from film to digital which I don't care about because I'm just here for the stories and Mm. that's why I care more about how streaming impacts act structure right it does because no, there's no I, commercial um, breaks. That was just that was all very well put. I'm just lost and I, I You're think lost it's in the really sauce. yeah. It's interesting because um, I think Freeberg also talks a lot about, for example, the psychoanalysts that are really hey. um, 
that are really uh, fashionable, like um, in the 70s and 80s, but also contemporary times as well. Not like, really. Um, that you is... don't have to flatter me. <laughs> I know. I know they're dead. That, but, but yeah, um, for example, like Laura Mulvey and like mm -hmm. um, Christian Metz and um, these folks who are um, really talking about a narrative and this idea of illusion of continuity and how um, narrative itself is able to like um, put people in the in the spot, right? Um, and then, mm -hmm. but Freeberg kind of ch challenges that because um, so, because I mean, of course she does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she's because coming from that like visual studies or I don't know what background she 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 is in, like she's talking so much about the the material materiality and then the medium specificity of mm -hmm. these things, like and challenge the narrativity from that aspect. So I think it's 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 it has broader this certainly has broader implication in this in the field of cinema studies when you know um psychoanalysis once reigned kind of yeah. I do think that there is an element of like the experiential in in some of what Roderick Roderick's saying about the like you know digital versus when you're watching like especially really old films you're very much aware of the difference in in time just because it's been a while since the 20s or whenever but when you interact and interact with stuff on social media or on, on the internet digitally there's a it's much harder to keep track of time right like mm -hmm. you ever like there's uh, this is I, I don't think this is a, a new talking point at all this isn't really original but like if there's like like memes and stuff like memes uh, come and go so quickly that there is, it's very, very ephemeral and just hard to um, kind of keep track of a lot of things that happen just because it's so concentrated and uh, very present. And mm -hmm. I mean, I think that we'll talk about this with Anne a bit next week, the idea of an archive, um, <laughs> and a digital archive. What does it mean mm -hmm. to um, archive like the internet, which there is in fact an internet archive where you can look at older older things on the internet. But um, I do think that there are there are certain things about it that we um, that does change on the experiential level when you look at mm -hmm. the medium digital as a separate world from mm -hmm. film. That is really interesting, yeah. Laura, because beyond just the like quickness of the 24-hour news cycle or like the recycling of memes like or the evolution of memes and language even on the internet just like being completely accelerated there's also just when thinking about pictures right as as Roland Barthes would like us to do you I don't know if you guys have ever like Facebook stalked someone or like Insta stalked or um, whatever I like. have never done that so. Well, cool. I'm just the only creep in our, oh my God. Just, if you don't just have social media, <laughs> please don't even look attractive or hit on me ever because I will be so frustrated <laughs> searching your name in Google, with like <laughs> the whatever region, like how do I find you? And then there's nothing. Ugh, how dare you, first of all. One time my um, friend got pulled over for speeding and the, the cop was kind of cute. So we found him, found him on LinkedIn. <laughs> Sorry. Good Lord. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, keeping it on track, the temporality of the image, uh, the film image versus the digital image. There's this experience when you, especially if you are someone who is attracted to cisgender men, right? 
uh, where you're scrolling through there, you're trying to like get all of the visual images of their face as possible, just because it's really exciting to like see a person that you're into. It's like, well, I want all the pictures. I have to find the best ones to show my friends, et cetera, et cetera. And if you are doing this on a, a cisgender man's social media feed, you will at some point be like, wait, what the, why does he look like this? What is happening? And realize that after like maybe three swipes of the finger, you're back in 2012 and he's in fucking middle school. And you're just like, what, how did, how did we get here so fast? But there's there, it always takes my brain like a second to catch up because I'm like, I am here and now, and I'm scrolling mm. through this person's like series of images. So when it jumps back in the past, I'm always like shocked and like your my brain like takes a second to recalibrate because I'm so used to this like interface being a hyper present one. If that makes Damn. sense. Yeah. And not, that's still rooted in digital technology, right? Because you're mm -hmm. when you're scrolling through Facebook and you you you, sh you share that similar sense of what Bard what Rodwick has talked about that mm -hmm. films unique on ontology oh right? by the way um Zoe, we're gonna have to have you back for a snack episode to to define or you know what ontology you want to just just do several snack episodes <laughs> listeners if you've made it this far this is probably our most academic uh buzzword heavy episode <laughs> a lot of vocab words being thrown around today uh mm. i hope you had time to pause and google them yeah. um or just rolling with context cues mm -hmm. So one thing that I'm thinking about a lot in this, um, this sort of idea of like, does, is media new? I mean, Roderick really takes issue with the idea of new media in that book, but, um, you know, do we want to look at the continuity of media across multiple centuries or do we want to focus on the here and now? It reminds me of this ongoing debate that I think happens in a lot of fields about um, the advent of a new technology um where something big will come up and somebody somewhere will be like this is going to change everything and then somebody else will be like fuck you no it's not so like my favorite example of this is marshall McLuhan, who in the mid 20th century uh when tv became a big thing and um, all these kind of new technological advancements that brought information and communication um much more kind of it made them much more widely available. He was like, this is going to reinvent the world as like a global village. We're going, going to have a like new, he was very excited about it, like a new community. Um, Turns out the global village fucking sucks. Right? <laughs> it is not yes. good. <laughs> um, but so, you know, he was like very positive about it, very positive about the the revolution that that television was going to begin, it was going to bring. And um, people... Other people like uh, Raymond Williams, a different television theorist, was like, "Television using taxi drivers the world over." <laughs> television is the is the product of a thousand social, economic, political, and technological forces that came before it. It didn't just drop out of the sky and change mm -hmm. everything. It's it's a product of society. So there's this question of technological determinism. Does this the new technology, whether it's television or digital? or the internet, like, is that what changes society or is it merely a product? And, you know, it's more about the forces that were already there. Um, so it's like sort of a broader question that I'm continually fascinated by. What do you think, Siwei? I think we, I think we all are certainly. Um, 
and because because television was such a phenomenal and such an important historical moment of change, mm-hmm. except especially in the the American context. And now we have a huge, like not now, but like for the for the past twenty years, we had a huge internet revolution mm-hmm. that is similar on scale with with the television. So like, how do we really understand the television? And then we first ask about the question how we understand television, and now we ask how do we inter- understand internet, the digital, and stuff like that. So like, we are continually fascinated by this question and whether we are determined by technology or technology is determined by us. So I think I, I have some quote from like Friedrich Kittler, who's like a German media theorist, who says like the, the environment determines our situation. So I find, I find that really interesting to think about. So that was that... a super diplomatic answer that did not, you didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you think it is? I, I think it's because he knows that I don't like McLuhan and he secretly agrees with McLuhan <laughs> and he doesn't want to make me annoyed because I already complained too much about Roderick and the whole taxi driver incident. Oh my god. What do you, we are in a group chat. She types into this group chat, Z-Way, this man is insufferable. <laughs> and I have to shout from the living room, Laura, he likes the book. He wanted to do a podcast episode. Do you about like this it. book? Don't Z-way. tell do him you like that. the Roderick book. I'm not sure if I like because I mean the reason why I pressure. chose these two two books is that they both have virtual in the title. And I have no idea what I was getting into. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. Z-way, that makes me feel so much better. This whole time, <laughs> like throughout the entire process prepping for this episode, I've been like, damn. <laughs> I gotta and, read more. <laughs> and honestly, at some point in July, I thought, should I cancel this episode? But I feel like I shouldn't. I shouldn't do the extra work, like on the two of you, to find some someone new or something. So, like, probably we should just stick to this one. You know what? That's a good instinct. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So okay, so <clears throat> there's this common thread of the virtual, and I think the I mean I I have in the process of this conversation realized that I agree with Roderick more than I thought I was going to so that's very exciting for everybody uh whoa yeah but I mean this uh like I think well one thing Roderick says is as you mentioned earlier like uh the way we conceptualize a lot of digital media is as still rooted in how we conceptualize television movies like uh, Brie last episode called uh, Until Dawn an interactive movie, right, uh, as a video game. And so he says, you know, like, if we can, un- like, uh, I'm, I'm sort of guessing here, because again, I haven't read the book, but I think he's kind of saying, like, we could, we don't really know what digital media could look like if we sever it from, from cinema. Um, and so that's kind of like the true world of the virtual that's a little bit unexplored. Whereas Friedberg is saying, no, actually the virtual is this long running concept. Mm. Did I get it right? Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Um, I think <laughs> what's, really inter- what's really interesting is that um, Rodaway kind of grounds um, like all the theories of digital still back into like, for example, like classic, fi- classic mm-hmm. film theory, which I think he's apparently very interested into. So still grounded in the concepts of what film is and what those like mediums are. And then Freebrook, I guess sh- she's kind of arguing that like film also is going back 
to the to the history to the pre-cinematic cinematic devices to a um, art historical concepts of perspective of framing, but then how to how to what extent is her like intentional tracing back to those art historical concept a a, a kind of way of justifying cinema? I don't I don't know about that because like it mm -hmm. might also be an intentional way of like delving back to the history. Oh, what's the word for that? It's um, it was the first vocab word I learned at USC. It, the, the idea that history is moving toward like constantly teleological. Teleological. That's it. <laughs> I fucking love that word. It's, it's a another good one. snack episode needed. Ah, oh, I love. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, you gotta do them. Yeah. Come on, come on down. Explain some stuff. You like I to think hear it. Either way, no matter kind of how you see like the future of. Film, whether it's film is dead as uh as Roderick is saying or you know also as Bart is saying as yeah sort of like different level right exactly mm. um I think one thing that I do strongly feel is that there lots of things have historical precedents that we tend to forget about just because of we're so grounded in the here and now mm. um and mm -hmm. something that there's a beautiful thing about um looking at an older film and appreciating where it came from but yeah there's like it's so easy to just think that everything we see is new and uh, a revolutionary thing and it's like no actually a lot of stuff has happened before this moment oh another term my mom taught me thanks mom the always already uh the mm -hmm. some i think that was heidegger but like the the notion of like no actually this thing is been around way longer than your individual perception of it mm -hmm. um so look this is all very complicated and i <laughs> so truly believe another person to throw in that the <laughs> this is what you just came up with that's the best like moral of the story Thank that we're you. gonna get here today because everything else is just like ah! Did we get it maybe right? he's yeah. right or maybe he's just a dick <laughs> i don't know it's hard to say um yeah. so i like that that was good <laughs> z-way any closing thoughts about this? is he right or just a dick is he right answer now <laughs> maybe he's bored with it maybe he's just a dick oh my god <laughs> i feel like is this psychoanalysis sorry uh <laughs> I, I feel just, like I, I just open unlocked a whole new ontological thing <laughs> in my brain. Okay, sorry. That's not what that means, Laura. <laughs> Z-Way, what are you? It's, is he a dick? I'm trying to pass judgment objectively as he is trying to pass judgment on digital cinema. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Maybe both. Mm. I don't know. You go. <laughs> I don't know. Very diplomatic as uh -huh. always, Z-Way. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>